Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 27 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Uh, we have the full crew here today. Bob, uh, Justin, how are you guys? Awesome. Great, great. I'm doing great, Ben. Uh, poor Bob had a lot of car issues last week, so I hope finally resolved. Um, yes. We've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. He walked um, to the podcast today. He didn't have to drive. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks Stop for inviting teasing. me today. I, I didn't get the invitation last week, so I was just like, why? The guys hate me now. Yeah. No, it's yeah, not exactly. <laughs> You're back in the gang, Bob. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So um, anyway, today we're going to be talking about, we've got a big show for you today, everyone. We are going to be talking about the Buffalo shooting, the election of insane person Doug Mastriano. We're going to talk about Elon Musk trying to back out of the Twitter deal and maybe may have exposed himself. And this is the big news this week. We're talking about the Madison Cawthon flop, uh, Jordan Peterson's epic meltdown. We have a few words to say on the uh, the baby formula shortage. Uh, and then we're going to be going into the member section where we're going to be talking about Bob's gun. Um, yeah, you heard that right. Uh, Bob has revealed to us before we started recording that he has a gun. Um, so oh, he won't, he hasn't told us exactly what that means either. So we're going to find out, but, uh, yeah. the members Kimberly, podcast, <laughs> Kimberly knows all about Bob's Kim, gun. Oh, Justin. Um, so we're going to talk about our gun stories. I have a couple of gun stories and uh, Justin has a gun story and Bob apparently has a gun. So anyway, we're going to talk about that. We'll get to the members section a bit later on. You have to check in, tune in to find out about that one. All right. So switching gears, Buffalo shooting, another horrific shooting, another horrific gun massacre in America. This time, right, well, um, it's, you know, I don't know how many, what the percentage are, are related to kind of race hate crimes, but this was a very, very obvious racially motivated gun massacre. So on, you know, the two, but two levels, right? Obviously guns, bad, uh, mm. race hate, bad, America, not good. This was, this is, we all wrote about it this week and, um, you know, to me, this is another sign that a America needs to have some fucking gun regulation. Again, as a Brit, I cannot. I just it, it's like banging my head against the wall. I cannot understand why this country insists on having no gun regulation, like no sensible gun regulation. Um, yeah. Number one, number two. Um, you know, thanks to Tucker Carlson, this stuff has been is now mainstream. This kind of race hate, great great replacement theory. This is like this is. To me, the first of not the first, but this is just gonna. There's gonna be more of this stuff. Like the more the right engages in this kind of openly bigoted, uh, racially kind of racially tinged white grievance politics, we, this is this is gonna be. You know, we're gonna have more of this. Yeah. Um, well- yeah, and that's that's one of the things I've been jumping up and down about for years. It's like you know, it's like oh, it's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke. It's like no, it's hate speech, and they normalize it, and then it becomes normalized, and then it becomes what they talk about regularly. And once you start talking about it regularly, they start taking it seriously, and once they start taking it seriously, they start acting on it, and that's what we've been seeing for the last several years. You know, you've got the the two synagogues that got shot up. You see the multiple racially motivated, you know, the, the, the one down in Texas, the, you know, the, the, the church shootings. Now you've got this. I mean, it's just it's just getting worse and worse and worse because they're not joking anymore. Now they're just straight out saying it, yeah. you know, and as long as they're talking about it seriously and now they're poli- the, the Republicans are talking about it seriously. Fox News talks about it seriously. 
the right wing hate sites talk about it seriously, the AM hate radio talks about it seriously. As long as they're talking about it seriously and they're saying it over and over and over, you're just going to see an increase of this kind of violence because that's the point of them talking about it is to see this kind of increase in violence. They know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly why they're doing it. Yeah, and this yeah. is where it's leading. Mm-hmm. Well, I wrote my uh, a, a banter piece this week uh, about uh, the influence that I believe the Republican Party has on its own voters, its own supporters. And if there's any blame to go around for something like this, using a firearm to create some form of white supremacist social change or, you know, this is the sort of thing that Republican Party leadership has been encouraging, at least visually, for quite some time now. And I point to all of those videos that that I posted. I mean, you get it one or two. You say, "Well, okay, they're just doing something gimmicky to get some attention. They're trolling or whatever." But it's an actual kind of structured theme throughout so many Republican uh, videos. And I'm not saying this is exclusively the thing, but to tell Republican voters that, yeah, it's perfectly legitimate to shoot at the things that you don't like. And that's, I think, the message that gets sent and received by a lot of these people. And then plus, you've got guys who are stockpiling firearms, who have these very uh, uh, cinematic firearms, these military-style assault rifles, and eventually they're going to want to use them. They're going to want to pop them off somewhere. Like, what, what can this thing do? It's like having a sports car not going faster than 35 miles an hour. You want to eventually, you know, put the... Uh, gas to the floor and see what it can do. And uh, so it's no no wonder. It's no surprise here. What continues to, for some reason, continues to surprise me is the fact that in the wake of these uh, massacres, <clears throat> there is now seldom any move toward, oh, you know what, maybe we should expand background checks or, you know, because it is supported by, I, I believe, 70, I want to say 75 percent of Republicans support federal background checks on all gun purchases, irrespective of state law. That needs to be a thing <laughs> when you've got that level of support from the Republican Party. And obviously the Democratic Party support for it is much, much higher than that. Uh, there's the Democratic will to do it. But uh, obviously, the gun lobby controls everything. The uh, fringe extremist nature of the Republican Party uh, seems to be controlling the narrative at, at this point because, you know, for obvious reasons. So nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. I think the last thing that was uh, proposed in Congress, at least along these lines, goes all the way back to uh, what was it, 2013 with the Manchin Toomey uh, background check legislation that was filibustered by Republicans. Uh, you know, here we are. Here we are. Another AR-15, by the way, used. Right, right. And and, and I think that's the because this stuff, it always dies in the Senate, right? It, always, it gets to the Senate, gun legislation gets to the Senate and then. Yeah. Lo and behold, um, there isn't enough. That, you know, at the last minute, uh, senators lose their. You know, they lose their nerve, yeah. right? Well, and because even if they were to pass terrifying. something, yeah, and even if they were to pass something, they'd have trouble getting it past this current Supreme Court because obviously yeah. there would be a lawsuit, and then it would go through the uh, the familiar process, and then land in the in the hands of the, the current justices who would say, "Well, Second Amendment," you know. Well, right. This is, this is protected. You can you can have these kinds of firearms. But uh, well, what it, the Second Amendment doesn't say that firearms have to look awesome. Mm. It's one of my things I talk about quite a bit that I think the Democrats need to start looking at trap laws. You know that they're used to uh, prior to the trigger laws, prior to the overturning of Roe, where uh, Republicans just made it more difficult and less desirable to have an abortion without outright banning it. Well, there mm. are similar things you can do with firearms <laughs> to make it, you know, uh, stick to the wall in terms of the Second Amendment, where people can still buy firearms, but suddenly it becomes less desirable. And I always use as the example that if AR-15s were pink and they didn't look like a, a Rambo movie prop, then I think fewer people would buy them. I think a lot of people, I think AR-15s are the most popular firearm in the United States selling, I don't know, billions of dollars in profit. Uh, 
I think they would be far less popular if they didn't look the way they did. I think so much of it is the aesthetic of the firearm, uh, much less the, uh, you know, the stopping power, how many rounds it'll take or so on. So if you start to make the firearms less visually awesome looking, I think that would uh, certainly reduce the numbers. And then you wouldn't have necessarily a Second Amendment issue. You could still buy the firearm. It just doesn't look as awesome (laughs) as previous generations. You know what? Interestingly, I was I was watching um, something, a, a sort of documentary about food additive laws in America. Right. And about yeah. the battle between margarine and butter. Okay, so bear with me, right? This is relevant Mm -hmm. to guns. Uh, So butter was quite expensive back in the day. Uh, So they figured out a way of using beef tallow, beef fat, and some other kind of hydrogenated oils to make margarine, which was cheaper than butter and was easier to produce. You could, you know, and at one point, margarine was soaring in sales and was, was like more popular in America than butter was. So the dairy industry got absolutely furious about this. They got extremely irate about being, you know, beaten by margarine and because margarine basically looks like butter uh, and yeah. they were using all sorts of food additives in it, right? So that you'd make it look yellow. Uh, so it would it would look like butter. Margarine doesn't naturally look like butter. So you'd use additive food coloring to make it look like butter. So anyway, I can't remember which state it was, but one state that was, you know, the dairy industry had a big grip on on, on one particular state. Probably Wisconsin. Probably, right. uh, But what they did is they mandated um, the the fact that they had to use pink dye in margarine. Hmm. So margarine then was pink, right, In, in at least in a couple of states. Um, and obviously, you know, there's a well-known link between what your food look like, look, looks like and what it, uh, what it tastes like to the, you know, yeah. to the person seeing it, right? Um, if your margarine is pink, you're going to be, it doesn't look like butter, then your brain thinks, oh, this isn't butter. So mm-hmm. margarine sales go back down again, and then the, the dairy industry gets back on top. Uh, but this was like, extru- you know, this was... Um, in regulation basically to make sure that margarine couldn't look like butter so they can do that yeah yeah you you can do that the government can do this they can regulate it so you could make sure that all ar-15s are pink yeah exactly right make that that, that, help make them look really phallic looking too make (laughs) them look like like penises with the penis veins and you know whatever that that might that might really turn on the amosexuals well yeah you know what we're talking about a lot of guys i mean i i think by and large most of the people who are picking up ar-15s uh also suffer from some form of toxic masculinity so there's no fucking way they're Mm. gonna go around with a pink (laughs) ar-15 can you imagine yeah, I mean, they, they got to do something, right? We we got to do something about this. This, this is yeah. I don't see something, what anything. the option, yeah, in, in anything, you know. I mean, look, not and again, this isn't to distract any anybody about the sort of the the, the racial motivations here. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I I wrote a piece this week again. This this goes into our both sides theme um, that basically, you know, you do have this identity politics stuff, right? You you know, there are the identity politics on the left and identity politics on the right. And my contention, you know, I'm I'm not a fan of identity politics in in, in any form, really. But there are there is no there are you cannot make any comparison between what's happening on the left and what's happening on the right. So that was my my piece this week was trying to lay this out that the left's identity politics are, I think, damaging to the Democratic Party and have their own um, toxicity. And they are taken to an extreme, which most Democrats are not extreme when it comes to identity politics. I think most people have a kind of healthy, most people on the left are kind of understand that identity politics are have their place and are, are useful in understanding history and understanding society. But when it gets taken too far, uh, it becomes it becomes self-defeating and and you know almost what it hates but but right you look at just look at the statistics on 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 violence right like extreme left-wing um uh left-wing politics groups and extreme right-wing politics groups if you look at the violence right this is from january 2015 to january 2021 
Um, there were, the right-wing extremism is over 400% more dangerous than left-wing extremism in America. Four times. There are four mm-hmm. times as many right-wing um, acts of violence as there are left-wing acts of violence. So th- th- that's, incompa- that's incomparable. You can't compare the two whatsoever. And what the right is engaging in, their form of uh, ethno-nationalism, is, uh, you know, it's, it's identity politics. The, the right loves to go off to the left and say, oh, you guys, identity politics, it's toxic, it's, it's awful, blah, blah, blah. we don't do that. We don't. Like, yes, you do. You play your own form of that game. You play your own form of identity politics, and it's extremely dangerous, right? It, it is based yeah. on ethnicity. It's based on white supremacy. Uh, and it's based on, like, Justin, like you wrote about this week, it's based on violence, you know, that, that is completely based on violence. That that is the point. That that is the point of it, is that it, it's based on violence because <clears throat> you know you restore how else do you restore the white majority? Like that how do you do it? You know, you kick out the brown people, you make sure they can't come in the country, uh, you close the borders off, and you make life flipping miserable for people who aren't white. So yeah, I think you know, you you really can't you you know, I try to highlight that as much as possible that you can't compare the two whatsoever. And I think now the, the media, I think, is quite is, is guilty of this by you know continuously making these these false equivalences between the two sides and publishing kind of nonsense where they call Biden an extremist. Right? You can't call Biden an ex- Joe Biden an extremist. You can't even call somebody who sort of who's in you know who does left wing identity politics an extremist not by any sort of meaningful definition because extremism is is you know in america is violent and i think like now that we have to really begin talking about this in the media we have to pressure the media into into talking about this and calling right-wing extremism what it is it's right-wing identity politics and they do they are doing what the left does but far worse far more extreme and far more violent and until we kind of Really well, it's, it's not even the same thing. I mean, think about think about what left wing identity politics are. Identity politics on the left are treat us equally, right? I want to be treated equally, or I want to have the same rights as a white man, right? Or as a cis as a cisgender white man. That's what I want as uh, as whatever group I am on the left. I, that's my identity politics, et cetera, et cetera. Right? They want equality. They want to be able to go out there and be on the same level as, well, a- any of the three of us. Just be able to walk out there and be able to do anything that the three of us can do without even thinking about it. The same level of jobs, the same level of education, the same level of walking around without being bothered by the police. That's essentially left-wing identity politics. Is pushing the motivation, for that, yeah. I, I right, agree, is li- I agree. pushing for that level. That's That's like their goal. Right? Yes. Right-wing identity politics is I want to make that other side not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. That's their that's their baseline. That's what they're looking for. It's like when you when you talk to the extreme people on the right, it's not just I want to move them back to the 1950s when black people and women knew their place. It's like no 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 no. I want black people either in chains or dead. I want them in mass graves because I cannot tolerate having them exist anymore unless they're like serving me. And I want women. Women have to be chattel. Jews, there's no place for Jews in their in their worldview. Like, have you ever met any version of the right wing where they're okay with Jews? I haven't. Mm-mm. They hate us. They yeah, hate well, they, everything they think, about us. They think Jews are complicit in replacement theory. Yeah, where the supervillain. I mean, I literally wrote an article about that. Where they're supervillains, where they're Lex Luthor. There's mm. nothing they would not do to get rid of us. Like, yeah. if they get the chance to get rid of us, they will get rid of us. They'll put us in ghettos and then they'll get rid of us. I mean, that's their version of identity politics is getting rid of everyone else who's not part of their cohort. So, you know, it's not even the same thing. Identity politics mm. is a broad based term. And extremism is a broad-based term, but the one extremism is not even fractionally the same. Treat me yes. equally versus please die is not the same thing. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I agree. I agree. Um, and speaking of uh, uh, right-wing extremists, we have a <laughs> recent election of um, 
Dog Mastriano. So this is uh, this is pretty this is pretty big and pretty bad. And and I think Republicans are actually kind of freaked out about this. Mm-hmm. So on, on, some Republicans. Well, I think anybody who's concerned with sort of winning general elections and and trying to keep the trust, I think there is a sort of a sense in the Republican Party that getting Trump, having Trump back in, is not a good idea, right? You've got very prominent Republicans who are saying, "No, we don't want this to happen. You know, this can't happen. We cannot do this. We cannot do this again if we want to win." Um, and I think that those Republicans, establishment Republicans, who basically tolerated Trump and, and, and supported him because they knew that that's where the, the base was, a lot of them are, you know, now saying that, like, this is suicide. Um, and Doug Mastriano and is, is, this is bad. So this is um, in, in Pennsylvania on Tuesday, Doug Mastriano, he, he, the governor's race, and this guy is is uh, he's about as extreme as you could get when it comes to the on the Trump right. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a fucking lunatic, right? And and um, he has t- you know ties to January sixth and QAnon. Um, this is from the uh, the New York Times. It says Mastriano's vulnerabilities are legion. GOP operatives lament. State senator and retired U.S. Army colonel has taken a hard line on abortion, which he has said should be illegal under all circumstances. He organized buses to Washington for the January 6, 2021 rally in Washington and can be seen on a video crossing police lines at the Capitol as the rally became a riot. He's also been a leading advocate of the basis claim that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. Uh, his name has appeared in documents released by the committee's investigation of the Capitol riot, and he claims to have been in close personal contact with Trump about their shared drive to overturn Bi- President Biden's victory. Yeah, this uh, is bad news. 19 electoral votes are in this guy's hands if he right. ends up winning in November. Uh, and the only thing that stands between us and that eventuality are Pittsburgh and Philadelphia voters. Because the whole rest of the quote unquote Pennsylvania T, central Pennsylvania, north Pennsylvania, uh, they will vote overwhelmingly to support Doug Mastriano. Uh, because, uh, yeah, because if any Democrat ends up uh, getting close to winning that state in 24, uh, whether it's Joe Biden or someone else, they won't win because. Doug Mastriano will throw out those votes. In fact, on day one, he's already vowed to throw out all 8.7 million voter registrations in, in Pennsylvania and start from scratch, knowing full well that an energized uh, red hat movement will all line up to register and Democrats will be behind the eight ball on that uh, because you're talking about a lot of older voters, a lot of uh uh, working class voters, people who have jobs who and, and families who don't really have time to go through the whole voter registration process again. And even then, they're going to make it very, very difficult on them. Uh, eliminating voter registration, you know, paring down the voter rolls even after people have to go and re-register. Uh, but that's only part of the problem. The other problem is, just, as I said, he's going to throw out the results of a Democrat wins that election in any contest whatsoever. He's right. claiming that's not a, that kind that's of not power. A hypothetical. That's not a hypothetical. No. He's pretty much openly said he will do that. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. what he ran on. That's what he's that's what Republicans voted for him for because he said he would do that, which tells you exactly where Republican voters are. Yeah. If you have any friends or relatives in Pennsylvania or you yourself live in Pennsylvania, you got to activate on this one. Holy God. If there's no other motivation right now, if you're feeling like, ah, fuck it, the Republicans are going to win and you and you don't want to participate in this election, you're out of your minds. Because mm, really, I mean, again, we're talking about 19 electoral votes. That's a huge number of electoral votes uh, in a relative sense. So this is a, a, another reason to build the energy to make sure we get out the vote because Doug, I mean, you might as well assume Doug Mastriano is Trump version two, like uh, mini Trump for Pennsylvania, so to speak. So that's what we're talking about here. And that's another reason why I'm terribly concerned about, you know, the kinds of voters who still are locked into this old, you know, 20th century paradigm. Well, you know, it's the Republicans turn. So, yeah, I'll just vote for the I don't care. I'll just vote for the they're all the same. I'm just going to vote for the Republicans. No, 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 no. 
there's no similarity between the Democrats running, certainly no similarity between Josh Shapiro, who's uh, the current attorney general of Pennsylvania, who will uh, hopefully defeat uh, Doug Mastriano. But no comparison whatsoever. Anyone who's saying that the parties are the same isn't paying attention. It's such a cop out. So yeah, for I, God's sake, get the word out to Pennsylvania because we need it. Yeah. And the thing the thing with uh, Mastriano is that he's not just like a cheap political hack or, you know, he's a, he's he's a warrior for God. He's a Christian nationalist, which yeah. means he has no shame whatsoever about throwing out the, the rule of law, about ignoring the Constitution. He's doing this in the name of Jesus, which means there's literally nothing he will not do. Biden can win Pennsylvania by 20 points, and his first reaction will be, I don't care. God told me to do this. I'm throwing it out and appointing my own electors because Jesus. And that's it. You're challenging God as far as he's concerned. Therefore, he wins. And yeah, that's and it's, it. it's kind of scary when you have these these people who live in their own reality bubbles as well because they just there's nothing that, that no amount of evidence or reason will sway them at all and same same thing with the voters right the trump voters is that trump can say you know there are you know millions and millions of of maga supporters who genuinely believe that the election was stolen right so there's nothing you can say to them there's no reason there's there's no way to kind of get them to um and that's why i find that you know the trump thing is so scary all these diehard maga nuts are, are so scary because they're not interested in discourse they're not interested in democracy they're not interested in the rule of law they're interested in in, in power and that's it so this is where i see you know the, the the big problem why i think that you know the democrats have got to be willing to work with absolutely anybody including the most extreme conservatives in america like liz cheney right any republican who's willing to stand up to the trump fanatics has to be worked with anybody because the threat is so real, the threat to the system is 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 so huge that without you know uh, without all hands on deck, like the, you know we could be looking in twenty twenty four at a, a genuine coup, like a real coup. This time, you know they'll be all, they're, they're going to be organised, and this time it could work. And right. that's that's pretty fucking terrifying, you know, and it's it's. The thing is, you know, we we get a lot of trouble. We get a lot of stick for for um, fear mongering, but we're not. This is not fear mongering at all. This is not extremist rhetoric on our behalf. Saying, you know, watch out. I remember talking to a friend of mine who was a Trump voter, like a reluctant Trump voter, but a Trump voter. And I was telling him, I'm like, do you you understand that like this guy's not going from the White House. He's not going to leave. Right. He's going to claim the election was rigged and stolen. And he was like, yeah, this is. You're just, this is all just liberal hysteria, you know, hysteria, and, and you're basically, you're just a sort of screeching lefty who can't take losing. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll, like, I'll bet you money, I'll bet you money that this is, this is what's going to happen. And uh, we stopped communicating. Um, <laughs> after January 6th, I never heard from him again. I haven't spoken to him in, 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 in over a year now because he, you know, obviously, like, turned out to be true. Right, everything we were saying. I've had straight face. I've had conversations with Republicans. Uh, a guy who works on the Hill who was saying that you know the, the fears of Trump, like having a coup, is, this is all overblown. Because you, you know there are too many pl things in place to stop this from happening, and we yeah. came this close to that not being true. Mm -hmm. This close. So yeah, uh, Doug Mastriano, we should be worried about that. Yeah, this is another reason why I really bristle at uh, the Cenk Ugers of the world and so on, who are like, fuck the Democrats. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I'm saying fuck the Democrats because I'm trying to push them to get them to uh, do what I want them to do. But all that ends up doing is uh, undermining and distracting um, the, the real message here, which is it's all hands on deck. We have to stop fascism. That I, I can't emphasize that enough. Those are the stakes of our elections now. It's either the Democratic Party or it's fascism. And the Republican mm. Party, what they desperately want to do is they want to be the winners of the musical chairs contest. What they want to do is be the last one sitting in that chair, and then they want to close the door behind them and let no one else win another election except them. That's the idea. Get into the power, close the door behind them, 
and uh, lock it, <laughs> padlock it, <laughs> pile up everything, all kinds of voter suppression, all kinds of uh, anti-democratic laws and so on, decisions after elections, etc. That's what they want to do. I, 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 it's, it's impossible to underscore how important this is. This is no longer about, well, this candidate doesn't support the one thing that I want him or her to do. So fuck the Democrats. I'm staying home. Joe Biden didn't pass Medicare for all. So fuck him. I'm not voting. Well, if that if that's your decision and you're welcome to it, we're in a free country for now. uh, You're doing it wrong. You don't see the stakes. You got to prioritize here and read the goddamn news because the news is telling you that uh, fascism is on on deck. It's in the on deck circle. It's warming up and it's getting ready to go and we need to stop it. Yeah, exactly. here we are, and here we are again, right? This is the thing. It's like, this is it's so exhausting. You know, we've been doing this for five years and, and we're still here. We're still yeah. we're still having this, this battle. Like we were saying the same thing before, you know, during in the lead up to 2016. Mm-hmm. And here we are again, Seven years, la- well, no, yeah, seven years later, right? That's that's 2015, yeah, when Trump came, on the Trump scene. came down that stupid escalator, yeah, and 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 uh, and and now, yeah, here we are again, so yeah, anyhow, so let's let's uh, we'll move on to uh, our, our good friend Elon Musk, who um, he's been in the news this week, first of all, uh, it's uh, he has tried to back out of the Twitter deal. It seems it may be back on, it may not be back on, but uh, re- recently Musk said the deal cannot move forward until he sees more information about the amount of spam and fake accounts on the platform. And uh, then also well, later in the week, uh, it turns out that he um, he he had uh, paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars in severance to a private jet flight attendant who accused the billionaire of sexual misconduct. So, okay, first of all, on the sexual misconduct, uh, who knows, not going to say he's guilty about anything, but I am not very surprised about this. I think, I don't know, guys, what do you think? Uh, My favorite Elon Musk story, actually, this week is the fact that he agreed to buy Twitter for $54 a share, and it's currently Mm. selling at $36 a share. (laughs) So... How the fuck does a guy like that end up becoming a billionaire? I'm just scratching my head over that one. <laughs> guy who not, makes not such great, terrible business decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not a great business decision. But the fact that he wanted to pull out of it, right? Yeah. I think it's just, it, to, to me, this is just another sign that this is a billionaire having fun. It's, it's, it's a little plaything to him. Uh, I well, wants I, it. No, he doesn't want it. Ah, no, he wants it. No, he doesn't want it. Ah, there's some problems. I want to drive well, the price I think, down. I think he thought it would be really easy to do, and then he started figuring out. Like people started explaining to him, like you can't go in there and do whatever you want. You can't just go in there and say free speech. Everyone can go on there. Like the lawyer started explaining to him, was like, no, you will be responsible. Like if you put Trump back on there and he instigates another uh, insurrection or, you know, gets someone to shoot somebody else because he keeps tweeting about it. You're going to be responsible for it this time. That's on you because it's privately owned and you're in charge and you made that decision and we can't get you out of it because we're, you're rich and you have lawyers. That's not how it's going to work. You mm-hmm. made it very, very clear. You're in charge. It's yours. It's all on you. And then he decided, started thinking about, wait, this is going to be really hard and it's going to be a lot of work. And I don't know if I want to be bothered with all of that. So now he's trying to find an excuse to get out of it. Like the whole thing mm-hmm. with the bots where it's like, Oh, it's 20% bots. It's like, <laughs> how would you know? Yeah. Like yeah. where, where are you getting that from? You don't have, an, you don't have any, um, and you didn't think about there. this. You didn't think well, about this before. It's right. so bizarre. So, but, it's, it's so, so bizarre. I think he's trying to, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just, it's just real quick. It's so bizarre that he doesn't understand that uh, he has an opportunity to, and he's already well on his way to uh, being part of history as far as his uh, technological advancements, obviously with Tesla and SpaceX. And he could have uh, positioned himself as this, uh, you know, great historical figure who this pioneer of technology, a pioneer of exploration. 
but he's completely fucking over his legacy by being a an unapologetic Twitter troll. I don't know what his motivation is other than I've got free time. Uh, you know, I've got this magnifying glass, so I'm going to burn a bunch of ants on the sidewalk because I can watch me watch me go. I'm untouchable. Psst. And then it's what he does. And uh, it's just baffling to me. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't want to be kind of Elon Musk basher for no reason. I, I Again, I kind of generally respect what the guy's done. Uh, with Teslas and with SpaceX and I, I, yeah, it's cool, you know, whatever, fine. You're rich, yeah. you did well, good job. But it's when you start think it's this whole concept of when you're a billionaire that you are omnipotent and also you can just buy things and discard them at will. And you can something as important as Twitter that you know um, something is that he's not remotely qualified for this. He just he's just he's not the guy for this. Right, no right. What. just because you can do something successfully doesn't mean you can do everything successfully. Right, and and this is a very weird obsession that we have in our culture with with rich people that they must somehow be, um, you know, they're special, they're kind of godlike almost. Uh, you know, I, I have a my, my my dad was a was a CEO in in the, the media. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about it but i remember going to i lived in america for a bit we, we moved to america years ago and i remember coming into his office and i had no idea what a ceo was i just didn't know what the term meant i had no idea um you know i was grew up in london and i knew my dad worked in in the media and like but no i'd go into his office and no one would treat him any differently because it's not really the culture in in, in the uk uh, but I'd go when we moved to America. I'd come into the office, and people would be like, "Oh my god, you're like Tony Cohen's son, and he's the CEO." And I was thinking, like, "Who the what's the CEO? I don't know what what is that." And then why is everybody being nice to me? I don't understand why everyone wants to like give me stuff, and they're giving me tickets to this and tickets to that, and and uh, it was all extremely weird and alien to me um, that that people would would put put him on a pedestal like that. Um, and it, that, that that was a sort of a, a very that was a kind of an introduction into into how at least in America the the obsession with with success and and wealthy people goes that you know which is my dad you know like to me he's my dad he's a flawed great he's a great guy and you know has his flaws and whatnot but but uh, I I remember being just completely shocked at how how he was viewed within the company and 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 hmm. you know. In, in that in that world he was he was like a viewed as kind of like you know not human anymore um, <laughs> yeah yeah just just and, and obviously this is nothing compared to elon musk you know the, he, he you know small fry compared to elon musk um so so but it was you know yeah i've always struggled to understand that why um why, why you think that just because you're good at one thing that means and you've accumulated money that you must be amazingly good at other things like i just i don't understand it but you know yeah. elon musk elon musk has benefited hugely hugely from that and this cult of personality thing as well uh and i hope the twitter deal doesn't go through personally i hope he doesn't get hold of twitter because like you said the stakes are high right mm -hmm. it's gonna get cost him a billion dollars if he backs out of it so he's got to find some way to make it not happen and not take the blame for it yeah but that as i was explaining before we started the show uh elon musk i'm looking here is worth at least according to this report uh 218 billion dollars so he yeah, could lose he a billion dollars and still have 217 billion dollars <laughs> it's like it's pocket change that's the dangerous thing and you know what i don't want to mm. necessarily say let's all uh uh repeat everything Bernie Sanders has been talking about, but Bernie Sanders is kind of right when it comes to these American oligarchs. They are yeah. impervious. There is nothing, no sexual harassment charges, no penalties of a billion dollars here or there are going to hurt people like, like Elon Musk. They are absolutely 1000% bulletproof. And that puts them at, at, a, at an unfair advantage, I think, over the rest of us who don't have the same kind of luxury. And, you know, the counter argument is, well, he worked very hard for it. Well, did he? <laughs> did he work very hard for it or did he just get lucky? I mean, based on the awful business decisions that he's made recently, 
uh, I tend to think, oh yeah, he just he got lucky. He got really well. It helps lucky. to be. It helps to start off with diamond money. Yeah, that's you know? true. So yeah, it's yeah. it's not like it's not like he started off, uh, you know, with nothing and worked his way up. Yeah, mm. and that diamond money is is dirty money. Yeah, it, 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 dirty it, it, money. It, it, Wonder how many children lost fingers uh, in the exactly uh, effort to mine those dime, uh, diamonds. But um, no, I mean, I, I wonder where all, the, all this goes. I mean, the news of the, the the sort of sexual misconduct news as well is is another interesting, I guess, development in the Elon Musk. Now how many more are going to pop up? Now maybe the ones there'll be come more out. popping up. Who knows? My guess is that he'll get away with it because he's got lots of money and all the alt right bros love him um, because you know, like Trump, he'll just say he, you know he'll just either deny it or just be like, yeah, what? So what? You know. Mm. Um, and that, that's where we are now. Um, all right. So let's uh, moving on to another right wing dickhead. Um, not calling Elon Musk. I'm, look, I don't want to say I'm not calling Elon Musk a right wing dickhead. He's a libertarian dick. Not a dickhead, a dick, which is a bit of, <laughs> bit of a difference. Jordan Peterson is a right wing dickhead. Uh, and I'm used, maybe that's in, more in England. You say someone's a dickhead. It means, I don't know. Do we use that in, in, in America? Oh, yes. Always yes. Get, it's one of my favorites. What am I confused? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Jordan Peterson had a monumental meltdown this week. It was one of the funniest things I, I, I've seen. And uh, so sad. <laughs> so, it was so sad. It was, really was. So Jordan Peterson, in his infinite wisdom, this is the guy that all the alt-right bros look up to, all the conservative uh, men. They, they, This guy is their sort of their guru, right? He's the right-wing guru. So he went on Twitter and he, uh, in response to Sports Sports Illustrated's um, latest cover, there was a uh, first Asian curve model who was, um, she's Japanese and Dutch, I think, this woman, and her name is, I forget what her name is, uh, Hiroki Aoki, I think. And um, there we go. I hope I'm saying that right. And anyway, she's a curvy woman. And anyway, Jordan Peterson got on Twitter and said, sorry, not that beautiful. And no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. Uh, he then proceeded to get absolutely destroyed on Twitter. Like it was absolutely brutal. And a lot of his own fans were saying like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you do- Why are you saying this? I get it. If you don't find her attractive, that's fine. I thought, she, you know, and not for nothing, she wasn't the only cover model. Like there was three other women, right? So it wasn't like it was just this is the only one you can pick from. It was like no, there were others. So it was like if you like this one, that's for you. If you like that guy, that's for you. And then there's this one, if that's for you. But he had to say something about her, right? And yeah. I, you know, I think his point was that you know that he he was saying. That he's not going to have, you know, his he, he's always railing against woke politics and 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 the less obsession with, um, you know, I don't know what they what he thinks they're obsessed with, but in his no, mind, I know totally his whole thing. There's like a whole thing where it's like, oh, stop trying to normalize overweight women. It's like, why not? It's normal, right? It is, no, <laughs> I mean, it is normal. There's so, and, many, and there's so many overweight people in this country. It's perfectly normal. It's, it's not like some bizarre, obscene, weird thing. And she's not even really overweight. Like, I just she, she looked like a normal woman to me. I don't know. Like, I, I don't even want to. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, I thought she personally she was a good looking woman, and she happened to be bigger, and that's fine. And and in a lot of cultures, that's you know, there are different standards of beauty in different cultures. And, and I think that Jordan Peterson doesn't like that, right? He, he wants to be his own culture's definition of beauty, whatever that is. Well, there always has to be an other. He always has to other somebody. That's how you keep, like, as long as you're othering somebody, that gets your in-group more attached to you. That's like the whole cult thing. As long as you have an other to point at and say, there's something wrong with them, that's how you get your group to say, yeah, they're not part of ours. They're, we don't like that. And of course, as long it's better if it's female because blah, 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 misogyny. That's what they thrive on. Yeah. And, and, but it just, what a douchebag. I mean, what a, like, why would you insult someone uh, like a woman's looks on to your millions of Twitter followers or however many, I think he's got over a million to, I don't know how many Twitter followers he's got, but it's in the millions. I, I believe why would you do that? Why would you use it to to publicly shame 
someone for their body size and for their looks. Uh, and then he said, um, he said, I recently stopped accessing Twitter for three weeks as an experiment. He wrote, I had some of my staff post video links, etc. It was a genuine relief. I started to read and write more. I started using it again a few days ago. And I would say that my life got worse and almost instantly. The endless flood of vicious insults is really not something that can be experienced anywhere else. I'd like to follow the people I know, but I think the incentive structure of the platform makes it intrinsically and dangerously insane. Right. And this is a but, sake, so much whining, fucking whining. Become okay to be, you know, a guy publicly whining all the time. <laughs> you know, he's not a it's he's not the hook. sort of guy who's got the you know the world's boot on his neck, you know, holding him down. Right. God. But he pretends yeah. that he. Well, that's his whole shtick, Bob. Is that he pretends that he is that everybody's out to get him, and and that he's the kind of. Um, uh, the, the voice of the oppressed, whatever that is, right? And, well, and there's nothing. There's nothing more oppressed in America than a white man. Come on, don't you know that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot. I mean, when you, right. when you, when the three of us, when we go out, don't you feel oppressed everywhere as you go? Yeah, but but it's yeah. also the fact that he's unfathomably wealthy, and 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 he keeps claiming that he's being censored and all this kind of stuff. Like, and and but but he's you know he's got. He's the mainstream media, basically. Jordan Peterson. Meanwhile, he's got a larger platform than the three of us will ever see. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, you know, he's censored. Boo hoo. Right. And complaining about how Twitter is toxic when you've just insulted someone for their looks. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, 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 that's crazy, right? That it's completely insane. I can get on, I control someone and say, hey, look at this, you know, fat, ugly person. And then people have a, people come back at me. And I say, oh my God, like they're being so mean. Why are you being so mean? Like, I didn't, you know, this is what a toxic place this is. It's like. Well, and that comes back to the whole thing about their whole, their whole idea of free speech is my idea, of, their idea of free speech is free speech with no consequences. Right. I should be allowed to say whatever horrible I think with no consequences. And when you do, when there's consequences, I'm being oppressed. Yeah. You're censoring me. You're taking away my free speech. Why oh, why can't I insult whoever I want without you saying anything? My God, why are you oppressing me? That's their whole thing. Mm -hmm. And no one it's is what telling, they live for. Yeah, no one is trying to kick Jordan Peterson off of Twitter either. He kicked himself off, but I'm no doubt he'll complain about suppression of free speech when he gets back on as well after censoring himself. But um, anyhow, look, guys, we've got to move into uh, the member section. We just showed you. We didn't do our both sides segment today because basically that entire podcast was about. Oh, oh wait, before, we, before yeah, we go, yeah. can we do a quick thing about baby formula? Yes, yes, yes. Quick, yeah, let, so, let's do that. Sorry, Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, this, this is a nationwide baby formula shortage, and people have been complaining it's like oh why don't women just breastfeed oh kids were just fine before there was formula everything you know how parents got along just fine i remember you know when i was a kid i didn't have formula blah 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 okay so that's historical originalism 101 because kids were not just fine before there was formula kids starved to death because not every woman can breastfeed um and even even before women were were blocked from breastfeeding because all right so I have two kids. When Debbie had Jordan, Jordan being the first, she was able, she wasn't able to breastfeed, but she was able to pump because she had a broken arm. So it's really hard to breastfeed when your arms is broken. So she was able to pump though. And she was able to pump for like six months and she was able to produce prodigious amounts of breast milk. So Jordan got tons and tons of breast milk. But when she had Anastasia, she had to go back to work a lot sooner and they would not let her pump at her job. They kept finding reasons that she couldn't get time to go. She they wouldn't. She kept in, getting interrupted, and she stopped pumping after two months. And she and but even then, like even at during the time she was pumping, she barely got anything because they wouldn't let her pump. And mind mm -hmm. you, she was in charge of the area she was working in, and she still didn't get enough time to pump. Right. So imagine what it's like being a, a secretary or an office worker that you have to answer to a bunch of other people. She was in charge of the vault that she was working in and mm. she still didn't have enough time. So, you know, just because you can breastfeed or pump doesn't mean you actually get the chance to do that. Right. So without formula, kids go hungry and it's hard to just whip up something at home. Right. You can't just make something. It's not that easy. So, you know, these people who are saying that, ah, 
it's fine. You can just do without it. You people, you know, that's bullshit. Right. And it's absolute it, bullshit. Yeah. And it, 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 it's also like if you want women to do more breastfeeding, if all these right wing douchebags want women to do more breastfeeding, then pay for flipping maternity leave and pay for childcare. Right, then you'll get more. You'll get women who are less stressed. They don't have. They're not juggling millions and millions of things, and they can, you know, the, the, the breast milk is is it's an you know anybody who's been a parent understands how what it, how difficult it is and how how um, complicated breastfeeding can can be and can get, mm. uh, and you know having. A, a, a mother who's not stressed out and who who hasn't got these pressures of having to kind of you know work three jobs to just to to, to just pay the bills, uh, it, it just doesn't work like that, you know. And in modern a modern capitalist society, like particularly like America, when there is no help, there there almost no safety net whatsoever. Uh, it, it's almost impossible um, for for women to do everything, to be breastfeeding and to be working and to do. It's just you can't do it. So. Yeah, it is time consuming. It, it is incredibly. She spent time a consuming. lot of time doing that, even with the pump, where she can just sit at a desk and do. It's still time consuming. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, right, and also the fact that they're blaming this on Biden as well. That's uh, that's why. Maybe this is for another. Right, and then they voted another... against the bill to to put out money to get more um, baby formula. So it's I mean, like it's Biden's fault, but we're going to make sure he can't do anything to fix it. Amazing. So, fuck uh, Republicans. Yeah, and I think there's an important lesson here too uh, that we need to be hyper aware of Republicans using levers of the economy to fuck over the Democrats. Uh, see also uh, Greg Abbott's blockade at the border, you know, not too long ago. Uh, it's that mm. sort of shit that he does uh, policy wise for the sole purpose of making Joe Biden look bad. And mm. there's going to be a lot more where that came from. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, listen, everybody, we're going to head into the members section now where Bob is going to tell us about his gun. Um, his I'm, very sexy gun. He's got the biggest gun. Yeah. Yeah. You've ever seen <laughs> Believe it. And, uh, I'm going to talk about how I had a gun sort of pulled on me. And uh, yeah, that was a kind of a scary situation. But um, what, going... wait, what did you say? You had a well, gun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about that. Um, all right. So anybody, everybody, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate. We really appreciate it. If you would like to join us in the members only section, uh, you can click on the link in the in the on the newsletter, and you can get a two month free trial. So you can get all of the great banter premium content all our members only articles our letters to the editor feature and the members only podcast all for free um see whether you like it uh, we'd love to have you as a member this is what pays the bills keeps us going and um yeah thanks very much and we'll see you next week adios